so freaking excited. Um, this guy is like uh, somebody I looked up to. I still do, actually. But I looked at my Southwestern days. I was like, man, I want to be like Fee. Fee Doe is in the house, everybody. Uh, and I am psyched. Uh, a little bit about Fee. Recruited at a UCLA. Um, sold nine summers. Best summer was eleven or 8,000 units. But his best week was at 1,100. So he is a mortician. Uh, fantastic, fantastic human being. Um, currently, he's working for Thought Leader uh, and for himself, uh, Keto Fee, uh, Wellapet, and all this. And he'll tell us a little bit about that. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, he sold from 2007 to 2015. My fantastic friend, amazing salsa dancer, and just overall badass human being, Fido. Welcome, man. So happy to have you. Appreciate the lovely and kind words, man. So neat to kind of reflect again. And, you know, it was 27 to 2015, so it was a good couple of years ago. But to have like a little moment and reflect on like, oh, yeah, I did do that. That, that, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, man. Well, dude, so happy to have you. Um, let's dig right in. Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, wanna, we want to get you relaxed in the rest of your Sunday. Live so, in well. part from Tampa Bay, Florida. That's <laughs> oh, yeah. Nick, I forgot you were in Tampa. <laughs> There's Are the you going to the game? What's up? Are you going to the game? No. Dude, that's a $6,000 ticket. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're the type of person that would fucking find a way to, like, get a free yeah, ticket. next year. Next year. We'll figure <laughs> it out. Oh, man. Well, so, Fee, so hold on. It's, Fee, I want to hear about this. Tell us about your story with Southwestern. How, how did you get started? When, how, what year for you was it in college? And, and what part of the year was it? How did you hear about this crazy internship of Southwestern Advantage? So I heard about it in 2006, uh, my first year at UCLA. It's in late in the winter or perhaps fall. Um, so I'm guessing like October, November was when I had my first info session with Omar. I don't remember. I, I know. I, so I guess I was one of those students that just like filled out a questionnaire. I saw the dollar signs and like, oh, you can make like six, seven thousand. I'll okay, put my name down, but just completely forgot about it. Got a call, came out to uh, an info session at a, uh, at the, the law school and I see Omar you know full bed of hair in a suit and I was like dude this guy looks sharp we're in the law school and I just oh yeah and I, rem I just remember it's a week I was wearing like this bright orange Flintstone shirt and I had like kind of hair similar to this but it was like really scruffy I was wearing these like blue and orange basketball shorts everyone around me for the info session was like wearing some kind of button down and so I was like <laughs> Oh shit! These people are, are serious ah. about this. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's out here like bumming. <laughs> yeah, I, and you, if there's anybody that you you get to have on here, it's Omar. Because yeah, in the beginning, after like the first day interview, I came in and he was he was the main reason why I'm working for Southwestern. Because I was like exploring it, and money was like my main motive of why I wanted to do it. But like getting to see Omar and listen to him and he's always been the same like when you lock eyes with him it's like he's staring right into your soul yeah dude yeah. <laughs> right true true like, bro leave me omar take me i'm, I'm in <laughs> yeah whatever you say i'll do yeah heck yeah so what do you remember like when you when you're like your first experience in like sales school and stuff like that what do you remember just thinking because you were a little you you got to like memorize sales or you got to go to and see other meetings versus some kids that were like completely like late in the game right what was it like for you going into sales school I, I was 
was so competitive. I, I wanted to be, <laughs> I came in and I was like, I want, I want to be number one. I want to make as much money as I possibly can. I want to be the best student from UCLA. I want to be everybody in the company. That was kind of like what Omar had instilled in me in a way. Like, and so I came in and um, I remember like, you know how we would have like, at the end of the day, those recognitions. And I was like, I, I want that. And so we get the most approaches. And so I was that kid. I was that like young buck. <laughs> I was just like running around in the rain and just like out there. So I did, you know, and I, I remember there was like some other folks, Carl Nielsen is uh, one of them. We were like, cause he was from Oregon at the time, Force. And not, yeah, they were also Force. Yeah. They, yep. they, they, but like, him and I would just compete. And I remember that we got to a point where um, I was either like number one or two in the recognition. So sales school for me was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. You're like Sammy Southwestern. <laughs> you were like- 100%. You were like, the, the ideal first year. <laughs> that's I awesome, loved it. Man. And I loved it, dude. I came in and I was just like full all in. How, how did that summer go for you? Was it pretty, had a pretty good summer or did you struggle or how did it go? The beginning was tough, um, so uh, I, I did, uh, I'll share the result first. I, I did end up number one from UCLA um, in the West. So that, that was like, I, I did set out to, to do that. Oh, yeah. But in the very beginning, the first three weeks, if you look at my numbers, I was like, I didn't even hit pace setter the first week. And in the, the, the first three weeks training, right? I think I sold probably like 100, 150 units all together. Wow. And so I was like, just not crushing it. I was doing really bad. <laughs> um, but it took it took me a while to finally get into the swing of things, for sure. That's crazy. And then you went and sold 1,100 units in a week. <laughs> that was, right. When did I hit first hit more? I don't, I can't remember. I think my first summer hitting more was my fourth, my fourth summer, yeah. Where were you uh, telling your first summer? Like, Tell us about how you adapted to the turf. What threw you off? Was there anything crazy about that first summer that was like unforgettable? Like when I first started, I sold in Massachusetts and I thought that counties were just like these big open spaces, you know, and there's like space between municipalities because that's how it is in Nebraska. But when I showed up to Sutton, Massachusetts, I thought that was Sutton County. And turned out like four counties. I was thinking that all the towns themselves were like counties. And I was just like, what the heck is this place? Right. Yeah. And then I remember just acting a fool. And then someone be like, no, you mean Sutton, like the town, the town of Sutton, Massachusetts. And yeah. yeah. So yeah, what, what are some things that blew your mind a little bit? Yeah. The first summer I, I sold in uh, Northern Virginia in a city called Manhattan. Oh. So no familiar Manassas. It's about a few hours outside of DC. Yeah, we and, one uh, of our guests, uh, Anthony Conroy, sold out there as well. Hey, okay, yep. Hard sold over me, perhaps. I, I can't. Well, in the beginning, <laughs> I wasn't killing it, but I it picked up in Manassas for me. I, I was in an area where so I was kind of thrown off, and maybe this was um, normal for me, and I just had to like adapt. But um, my first week. I went out and I knocked and it was like, I was in an area where I think it was 60 or 70% Latino, El Salvadorians. And so I was like in this very ethnic group where most of them didn't speak English. And so I was like confused. And so I, I had zeroed out for a couple of days. I followed Omar because then I was like getting really discouraged by that point already. And so I think it was on my third day, followed him. And like 90% of his 
conversations were all in Spanish. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? Um, but what he did, though, was, you, you know, this is the, the, the cards that I would still, this is my area, adapt and find out a way. And so I had him, you know, I just memorized this whole sales talk for sales school. <laughs> I know this thing. Um, but now I have to adapt. And he wrote out the entire sales talk for me on these little note cards in Spanish. And so I Whoa. just like reviewed these things. And, and so I, I learned how to do it in Spanish. And that was like what? A part of my first summer. So I could- <laughs> Bro, that's crazy. And they love that, you know, especially the El Salvadorians or like people like just hear that they yeah, see this like, they would love it. as young kids, like, and I'm speaking in Spanish. And it worked. And now I'm like, it's a skill that I, I really appreciate. Like learning about the culture and just being in it. Like yeah. Boost is now like my my go to Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so freaking cool, dude. I did. That's well. That's probably what it's like for an Estonian to come and just give it in English. It's just like I don't know what the hell I'm really saying at the beginning of this, but you kind of like learn it, you know? Exactly. That's exactly. wild. And so then, yeah, how the rest of the summer? Challenge. So then, the rest I, of the summer you took off. I took off Whoa. after week three, and there was like a shift. And I remember sharing the story because like. You know, like, again, I, I said in the beginning, my motive for doing this was money. I, right. I did not know what money, like, I, I was, my, the only job I had prior to Southwestern, I was cleaning duck shit at a, at, a, at a park, you know, so I was a junior park ranger, I watered plants, and I was getting paid nothing, right? And so this job right. for me, coming from a, like, my background, like, I just knew that I, I was so driven by those dollar signs, and um, it was like, we Four, where I remember I was like knocking on this door had like this kind of gut-wrenching story where like you know I'm knocking and then the, the mom drives into the driveway and I see the kids just like fling out like both my two kids both in the back seat fling out run past me go inside the home and the mom is just like I could see her face is like sullen just all right what are you doing she doesn't like just kind of like knows I'm there but doesn't even address me goes to her backseat or her trunk and gets out her groceries. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go and help this lady out. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, showing some educational study guides or, you know, you have a couple minutes. She's like, sure, definitely. Come, come, come help me out. Like, can you help me with my groceries? And so I come inside her home and dude, when I, when the, when I walked inside, there's, you know, those homes where it's just like, there's not a lot of care. They had like these yeah. those plastic lawn chairs inside there was like markers and crayons all over the wall and it was just, it was a mess. And so I sat down in the, like the, the corner. And so we, we started going through it and she was just like, I, I, I'm, I need your help. I, I really need this. I'm struggling. I'm a single mother. I, I'm having a really hard time working and trying to manage these two kids. They're, they're out there, you know, and she was trying to say it in a nice way, but they're, they're a lot for me right now. And I believe you are a sign. I believe that because last she said last night I was by, I knelt down by my bedside and I was praying to God, God, please send someone. I need help. Will you send someone to me, please? And she's like, I, I believe you are that sign. And I don't know how I'm gonna do this, Steve, but I I'm gonna do this because this is what feels right. I'm gonna order these, and it was a week order, and I. You know, I was like, okay, fine. But, you know, 
I felt I trusted it. It was felt so like just our connection felt so good. So I, I took that week order zero down. And you guys know how that can be sometimes, but yeah. I came through at the end, dude. You guys like already from that moment, like there was a shift in me and that like, ah man, this is so much more than about me. It's about like really providing the service for this family. And you know, they, they were that family at the end of the summer that had been the kids are so great. They came out and they're like, I've been saving up for this. And yeah. had, you know, so they, they made it Dude. happen. And it was just like a, one of those beautiful book stories that I have. Dude, what a start to this episode. Yes. Amazing. Wow, dude. Kind of got to have you... that wake up call, though. And that was, so that, was that first wow. summer. And, and you know, that was helpful for you to kind of really what did that do to like your faith in the process and um you know the rest of the summer ahead of you mm, yeah good question Nick. yeah i think it became an internal shift for me mm. where and it wasn't like a, a like a clear shift it, it, and this kind of ties in for like the rest of my years selling southwestern but like i felt like my heart was in the right place like that needed to have realignment where okay mm. yes B, you're being very selfish about your goals and that at a certain point in my life was very true. I want to make a lot of money. I want to like invest. I want to like take care of myself first. But then mm. there was a certain point where that conversation was just like, you know, disconnected from the heart. And so when that kind of woke up for me, it became a thing where, ah, you know, because like I had leaders like, because um, at that time in 2007, Redline was killing it. You know, like we we were doing really well. Kibos was uh, the the number one uh, rep that year and. She was like, she was from Berkeley and was like coaching in our, our, our remembrance. One thing she just kept on saying was, you know, I, it's all about service. When you focus out, then that's, that's how I, how they've hit like 14, 15,000 units. It's just, I was like, okay, I get that. I get that. But it was like this intellectual gap. I want to feel that. I want to feel yeah. what it's like to genuinely want to care about helping this family. And so that was like where I was riding the friction for a long time, you know, and mm. I still to this day feel like it's like there's parts of me that like is very self-driven, which I love and I acknowledge. And it's a, it's a huge quality because I've got to feel my, got to protect and make sure my cup is full first. But at the same right. time, right, like I, I know that my heart has just over the last decade has completely transformed into a place where it's like, I want to, I just want to give a lot more. Wow. I'm going to pause real quick. I'm going to, my, my headset just told me I'm running out of batteries. I'm gonna switch oh, you're on. good. Yeah, dude, what a, while you're doing that, that's uh, like just hearing you talk about that, I, I wanted to pick your brain on that a little bit in this because I feel like that sure, was the jump that most people couldn't make to produce more units or whatever is because they focus much on the units and not enough on the service. And, and, and like, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about like, and you, and you kind of alluded to this, but like when you were really jamming and some of the better, um, I don't know. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit and we'll come back, but like, but when you were doing really well, um, what was your mentality? Like, where was your brain at? Well, like, that flow state, what was like at the center of your heart when you were, you know, hitting more when you were like just really jamming what was that was it just the same so feeling or it's like all together not just the first summer right just like when i'm in that those kinds of flow states yeah um, it, it's what does that feel like it's 
Man, those are the days when from morning you have appointments set up, good quality morning appointments, good quality evening appointments, good quality afternoon appointments. And you're going in and like everything's set. That Those are the days where I wake up and I'm like jumping out of bed. I take my cold shower. I have a solid breakfast. I have fun time with my roommates. I go out and I have make a sale in the morning because I knew that, you know, this family, like, you know, I just come in with this, this sense of, yeah, it is like a flow state. I'm just completely engaged in the process. I'm not thinking about the outcome. I've just like, at this point when I'm like thinking of my more weeks, I've, I've trusted in the system and I've trusted in my own heart and that I'm there to just simply provide a service. And whether they want it or not, I really like believed in my buying atmosphere. Like, and so it, I settled into that kind of confidence in myself and that I understood my numbers. I understood my closing percentage. And so I just wanted to go in and make sure that all that control all the pieces that I can in my own day. And those were so much fun, right? And so you go in, you have like, mm. you know, I just feel like I got into this consistency where I just like, I knew I was going to get a, a sale at the end of the day. I knew I was going to start my day off with a sale. Sometimes in the afternoon is tricky. That's like kind of the, the dry part for me, but um, it just like completely flies by and I get into this state where I lose track of time. I'm like so energetic and I man, I just think of like gravy time, periods of gravy, where mm. physically the adrenaline, like right when gravy hits, I could I, 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 look, I reflect back and I feel like my whole entire body just comes alive. Like I'm just so locked in, so focused. And it's like I'm, I'm completely in that zone for no matter how tired I am when gravy hits, I'm like 100% on. It sounds like you would do a lot to systemize your approach on every, like, uh, you didn't just have confidence that you're going to make a sale because it's just going to happen. You actually put systems in place that allowed that to happen. Um, that's something that, um, you know, I'm personally, I'm really grateful for Southwestern because they do nothing but teach systems and system systematic approaches to things. Mm. Um, small, small tangent here and to get more into like, stories instead of mindset um did you ever sell a new hampshire fee random question never never made okay. it out because uh i i lived with jordan greenberg who shout out he's doing our episode next weekend hey, uh, yeah so um this guy or this thursday actually but jordan he sold in in new hampshire and he thought he sold over you because there was a mom who's like, oh, you're doing the book thing. I remember talking to like this guy from California. He's like Asian and he like had the biggest smile and he like asked to jump on our trampoline and all this stuff. And I'm like, we're like, yeah, I, I didn't realize if he sold in New Hampshire, but that sounds like him. But uh, how did you like, it's fun whenever you come across, you knock on a door and you talk to somebody who's talked to a book person in the past and they vividly remember everything. They're just like, oh my God, yeah. it was so awesome to meet. I not, I didn't knock on this guy's door, but my roommate, my first summer, Miles Barrow, knocked on doors in Matt Atchison's turf from his first summer. And so Matt Atchison was a fucking legend in that town 10 years later, like 12 years later. And so- That's, that's interesting. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, every single one of us who knocked on a door had a pony, right? If we hook somebody up, if we're unforgettable to them, they're gonna like 
have those stories about us, right? And so <laughs> I'm curious because I, I didn't really jump on kids trampolines except for maybe a couple because um, those are always fun for the Facebook pictures. But how did you have fun? How did you like, what are some like unforgettable situations that uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, whether from Long Island or any other turf, you know? I, I just, you know, I, sometimes I hear people that have fun by um, kind of making like making fun of others. Like I would never have fun in a way where I would like harm anyone else. Like that's just, I couldn't do it. And there's some things that I heard that I was like, okay, that's cool. You, you do what you do to have fun. But for me, the way I have fun is just, it's, it's really coming from a place of love. Like I just love people so much. And I, I kept that as like my, the, the thing that has always rooted me. And so mm. whether it's just like um, someone that I, you know, I have a connection with at the door. And I think for me, it was food. I always like, I love <laughs> getting food. And so whether like, I'm kind of like, hey, like July 4th or some kind of event in the evening, I love to end my day, especially if I've done well with like cool family and just like, oh, that smells really good, you know? And so <laughs> cooking, especially like my first summer when I, like I learned this through Omar is like the green cards that we would send out at the end. And I would always like, you know, to remind them we're coming, I would write like the, like when I was originally write it, I'd be like, oh, well, hey, you know, it's a good time. You'll know about a week when I'm gonna come. You can have like your, this meal or that meal that your dinner you're cooking and prepared for me. And so I'll write that on the green card. So I was like, hey, please make, <laughs> so, have the cookies you know, ready. Have the, and then there was the feast and there would be so much food. Um, but, so positive. <laughs> yeah, things like that. I just love people. I never, I never did anything to annoy or piss people off. Oh yeah, I mean, jumping on a trampoline is, isn't a way to piss people off. And you know, I, I would always tell jokes that were like uplifting. The only times I would like push, like poke the bear, if you will, and kind of make fun of people. There's only one way I would do that. And this is my story is uh, whenever like those angry dads that are just like, no, get off my property. Don't even think about coming back here. Don't talk to my wife, whatever. Um, if they had a receding hairline, I had a joke for that. <laughs> and oh I would just, you know what, man, I just want to leave you in a good mood with a joke. Um, Cause I'll be here for a little bit. I'm the one from Nebraska plate, but um, what do you call a line of rabbits that hop backwards together? And, and then I just run away. And that, that's like the worst. Yeah. Look, you guys. That I know PR, that's bad for PR. <laughs> no, that's the thing is it never became that. Like I would like look back and they'd be like, fine, whatever. And they, they'd kind of like, kind of laugh a little bit, you know, cause it's just, I'm a, freaking weirdo from nebraska just popping up at their door and they're just like okay whatever that dude's on fire for life right so that was like the worst i would do every every other person i would just leave like a a hippie joke or this or that and just leave them in a good mood um jordan greenberg by the way the best person to learn from on how to have fun on the book field because he just like um, not mess with people in any like unfortunate way where they feel like they're on the slighted end of things, but just, you know, the scratch and sniff um, of, of your demo and, um, you know, doing the squirrel survey and like asking bigger and bigger, bigger and better. Like, how can, how can I just oh. have fun on the book field all the time? So. Dude, when we get to a chance to talk about bigger and better, I got some fun, bigger and better stories. How about um, right now? Yeah. Throw them. Dude. Oh, yeah. It. 
my last summer, 2015 in Denver, or actually, oh, it was in, um, oh my gosh, it's a town east of Denver that Aurora. I sold in. I lived in Aurora, but it's like, I'm, I went into the country uh, outside. No, and, um, that's where I'm living right now, so. So I'm, I'm not, but I, I played bigger and better with my roommates and uh, I, I ended up with these like three katana blades. It was dope, right? So it was like a little set of just three blades. And we started with um, <laughs> like a salt, pack, like a sugar packet or something like that. Hold, and hold on, Pete. Started on, with a sugar packet? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We might, some alumni that might be listening to this might not know what we're talking about. The bigger and better game was a game where you started off with a simple household item and then you would go up to families and say, hey, do you have anything that's bigger and better than this? And then you would keep going until you ended up with something crazy. So that's for context for the those that don't know. Sorry, if you, go ahead. Yeah, and there's all these pieces. I don't remember. Like it went from like that to a pen to a book to um, some like, like turtle shaping and then it got to a guitar and then I got to the knives and then from the knives I, I went and worked with this family who had an alpaca farm and they you know at the end of it they just loved me loved the books bought the whole set and was just like and then I was great opportunity to I had like the, the knives in my car and I was like hey you guys want to play a game and it's called <laughs> bigger and better and I, let, let me go grab it and uh, they they agreed, and they were so. This is creative. I can pull up the picture. It's on my Instagram. But I they traded an alpaca, and so I got an alpaca from Bigger and Better. And the thing was like, they were, they were, I was like, are you are you serious about this? You are willing to give me an alpaca? They're like, yeah, we just had a, like there were some that had just given birth. And uh, I know this is probably a better way to, but this is me. Uh, Hold on. This is Bennett, Bennett, Colorado with a baby alpaca that had just been born like earlier that day. So hold up, what's your, what's your, Insta handle? what's your Insta handle? I'll share the, I'll share it from the, from the ether. Yeah, I'll tell it's, yeah, it's my full name. It's Fee Thai Viet Do. So they can, it's, it's public. So they can go and see all the shenanigans that, that were there. P-H-I-T-H-I-T-H-A-I-V-I-E-T-D-O. Okay. Okay, hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll uh, I'm gonna share this because so in so where did you what did you do with the alpaca like how did you <laughs> so I had to call my friends in California and I was like yo so if I were to bring a, an alpaca home how does this work tell me about the legalities <laughs> so he's like that that would technically count as livestock you can't have an alpaca in your backyard or your front yard feed <laughs> I was like well, what am I gonna do <laughs> so it, it ultimately didn't work out because I just like you know what just just keep the alpaca here I'll come back in the future and we can talk about it <laughs> but it was just one of those things where I was I was trying and they were like you know you could transport it they're really easy to transport and we're going through like these logistics and I thought it was a joke <laughs> at first but 100% they were serious <laughs> that that's is incredible crazy that's incredible you got an alpaca. What the fuck? Dude, one way, I remember, yeah, that 2015 summer, that's awesome. That that spring, that's when they had GRS2 in Denver. I remember hanging out with Yafi in Denver with like a bunch of, you know, sales managers. Oh, my God. Stuff. Andres, that was the summer you kind of took off from Southwestern, I remember. But uh, I remember going to nightclubs and this and that. Oh, here's here's the alpaca. Yeah, click on it. <laughs> they're in Bennett, Colorado. Oh, baby. oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, that's so cool. So you 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 were like 
on fire for life as you typically <laughs> as you typically are fee in denver i remember we we all went out to like clubs and bars and stuff and there was um just like the the perfect chances for you to shine on the dance floor and that's like that was what you were telling me is dave um uh, what's his name dave causer was like your sales manager that year and he was coaching you on like recruiting people from dancing and i never right. learned as to whether or not you recruited anybody from anything like that, what are some crazy recruiting stories? Because I know you built some teams and you did some cool stuff on that side of things. Anything worth sharing there? Recruiting for me was not like a huge strength. And that DC like gave me that suggestion because I was just trying to find ways. Because I, you know, I could dance. I was a likable person. I just didn't have like a consistency of people sticking with me for a long time. And that was like, I would say a huge weakness that I had. Yes, I did like have some like five person recruiting teams. I built some, some teams that were, were, were top teams, but they, none of them stuck around for, for more than like four or five summers. Um, Which is so a long like, time, by the way. I don't know what you're trying to say, Pete. <laughs> they were being hard on myself, perhaps. Like I, I was like, I, think you are. <laughs> I was living in the shadows of like, come on, I had like the, the Nate, Nate Vogels, Ron Alfords, Omar's. And yeah. at that time in my life, like they, like my, my org structure was just, it was so protected, so safe. I had the best, right? And um, I was, guess I was comparing because like once they, they left, I was the most senior redliner. And I, I took control of like the Canadian division, Washington, LA. And so I was like in 2015, my recruiting year consisted of like, a week in Southern California, a week in Northern California, a week in Washington, a week in Colorado, repeat that monthly. And it was a lot of movement. And I think like I was personally really excited about that because then it allowed me to, to really travel and adventure. But I don't think I really set the foundation for myself well because um, I was kind of like scattered. And it was like just too much for me to handle at that time. So I didn't, I didn't end my years in Southwestern with like a solid recruiting team. Mm, that's interesting did you do you think that like as far as the the way that that structure works but they just left you in charge with really no like because Ron probably had a system that was he able to teach it to you before he left or was it just like up to you to figure out how to like manage this now there was a system I mean it was class surveys like that was a big thing recruit, recruitment through friends and we we did everything we were supposed to and uh I followed the process and Omar, especially I followed it. Like him and I worked closely a lot together to try to rebuild UCLA. But um, we were we were challenged. We were like, even for him, like during the last final years, I know he was also having some challenges as well. And can't, I don't, I can't really pinpoint it, you know? And it wasn't yeah. like, like when I reflect back, but I don't say that I have regrets because we, I did have fun, you know? I got it getting yeah. to recruit with Omar in the last final years. Yeah, it must have been cool. Yeah, and we, we, we did what we could and ultimately didn't didn't reach the, the world-breaking shattering records. And that, that's kind of been a good theme for me, though. Like that, I, I'm still, really? like, very content with the results because, again, I might be hard on myself. I had small teams, but I guess for me, with, like, the results that I have personally and, like, where the aspirations that I have, it's, like, so grandeur that all right i don't want to like just forget about some of the little victories so that that thank yeah. you for for reminding me of that yeah man you're 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 a stud 
yeah, and Fee, I just gotta say, man, like, uh, I apologize if I wasn't super clear in my question here because I I know you weren't on the level of Omar and and Ron. None of us were, you know, and none of us should feel ashamed for not being there because um, I I always always think about like. I keep referring to this in these episodes, but I got fired my, my last summer with Southwestern. I was in sales school. We can talk about it another time. I, I want that to be more dedicated, but I still full-timed that spring. I recruited one person who quit in the middle of uh, the, uh, the, what's the intense door knocking thing, the real deal. And uh, it, oh. he, he quit after that. And I was just like, all right, it's just me this summer. But at the same time, I was like, with the zero recruiting results, I was so, so happy that I like full-time recruited because I developed really, really in-depth listening skills, really, really, um, you know, solidified that work ethic and that sense of confidence and my ability to, to not just be present with people, but lead them in a really good direction. And, you know, I, I didn't really have anything fun to share from that that spring other than you know uh how many saw dudes does it take to screw in a light bulb that's my favorite joke from that spring does anybody know how many saw dudes does nick, it take to screw in a light bulb how many nick none because it's already lit fam anyway <laughs> i think i think somebody dared me to get as many one-liner jokes as possible in an episode of a podcast if you going for it <laughs> Well, I've I've got those. Um, if you really want to we'll, double down, no, but, uh, we'll we'll no, we won't, no 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 we'll sneak those in as we go along. I like yeah. Um, Fee, let's uh, switch gears here for a sec. I, I want to have time I'm for you to talk about this. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, what are what are the things that you're thankful from your recruiting process? Even though you didn't recruit the whole world, right? What did you learn? What are the things that where you grew and um, that, that to me is like how you can showcase why it was all worth it, even though you weren't Ron Alford, you weren't Omar, you know? Relationship building, period, culture. You know, people mm. work with you. They really believe in you and believe in the culture and the safety that you can create for them. What you, maybe what happened was like, hey, I, I said one thing and then they come up and they have a different experience. There's a disconnect. And so that was for me, something that I had to learn was like, how can I bring someone into my culture? My, well, not mine, but like to, to this container that we've created these systems, right? That has worked, but for them to have a congruency in what their expectations are. And so I've learned a lot from that today as I'm leading my company, I'm working here and I'm really just facilitating experience for people to be heard, to, to be understood. And so I, I really, because I felt like in the past, I wasn't as like, you know, very, very clear and very transparent. Mm. I might overpromise and underdeliver. So now I'm like very, very cautious about like, okay, you want to work with me? If you want to be in partnership together with me, this is what you see. And I, I feel like I've done a much better job at just showing up and providing something that is consistent for people. It's like, okay, this is the product that you're offering that that's what I'm getting. And so that that's what I'm kind of like leaning into is this transparency. Mm. Well, and, and with that kind of, that's a great question, Nick, but and it's a solid transition into what I was going to ask. And which is what, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I mean, it, it's, 
uh, it's fascinating. You were kind of mentioning it at the beginning before we started, we went, went live and I really want to hear um, kind of like what, tell us all about all of the things that you're up to now. And, and maybe if you want to share just a little bit about how Southwestern principles have helped you, like kind of, you already kind of started going into that. So let's uh, go down that train. Okay. What I'm doing now, it's, it's pretty fun, fun to reflect on because it, it kind of started with Southwestern in a, in a, in, in an indirect way. So the story was in 2013, it was uh, mid-October and my birthday was coming up, my 25th birthday. And I, you know, in the middle of the recruiting season, I, this is the, the time when I was like traveling from the Bay Area, Washington, just going up and down the West Coast. And I saw a TED Talk and uh, I wanted to do something special for my birthday. I wanted to like give. Like, I didn't want to make it about me. And so there was this TED Talk called How to Build a School in Three Hours by this guy named Taylor Conroy. And I was like, okay, that, that's really dope. That's a great title. I'm going to check that out. 12-minute video. Saw that. And, you know, I was like so inspired. I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. He had a great platform system and structure. So I got like a whole bunch of book people and we, we fundraised and now built this school out in, in Kenya. Okay. So plant, that, that was in 20, 2013, okay? What does that have to do with um, what I'm doing now? I left Southwestern in 2015, and maybe, I, I hope I wanna share the story, of, like I'm sure I will share like how I left, um, but, but, but what happens after 2015, fast forward to 2019, self-publishing school, the company where you're at right now, okay? So I was yeah. working with SPS for, from April 2019 to December. And that October, SPS threw their first um, live event. So it was, I don't know, so they used to have those live events, right? Clearly. Yeah, author, yeah. yeah I the Author Advantage Live, the AL. Author Advantage, AL. Yeah. And so it was in Austin that year, 2019, and Taylor Conroy happens to be a speaker. And he's doing his thing. I didn't realize that, but I bumped into him in Austin. Uh, in downtown uh, Austin in that like huh. one busy strip. And this guy is like, I was, I knew him and I see him, like he, he takes out like a hundred and he buys like all these roses from like one of the vendors, like from this guy and just like bought them all out. And he's just like, and we had just connected, right? And I was like, yo, I know you and I built a school. And so he, um, he was like, here, give this rose to, to whomever you feel or really needs this rose. And I just, He's that, just that kind of guy, right? And so I was like, I'm so um, enthralled by his character. That kind of leads, kind of paints like a, a little void. But in, so now I'm now working for him. I'm, I'm working with a company called oh. where he, and the, the way that I got recruited was actually not through Southwestern Connections, but he had been consulted by some other coworkers that had worked with self-publishing school and they had thought of me and they needed a, a sales rep. And so... They're like, hey, you know, we're we're starting this new company, and we need a rep. It's with this guy named Taylor Conroy, <laughs> and it was like one of those light bulb moments where it's like, of course, there's that connection, and so I, it was like a clear body yes, full body yes for me, and their their system now is just like incredible. Where we we're selling um, it's a platform, it's like a, a program that helps people to leverage their message, their idea as a, for their business, especially if they're entrepreneurs, then 
instead of like using Facebook, social media, Instagram, all these things like we have to post every single day to get ingrained in the algorithm to be seen and reach a wider audience. It's so much taxing work. Here's a way to work smarter by leveraging a platform that has 29 plus million subscribers. And so that was mm. Taylor's light bulb moment. And now I'm kind of in a, a like a, 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 I guess I'm a sales rep for all the people from his webinar. And we are, that, that's a, the program and the offer. Oh, that's awesome. Whoa. <laughs> wanted to wow. draw those connections because it was just like one of those serendipitous things that yeah um, that, that led me here it just it just made sense it just made sense it just wow. makes sense <laughs> well so so hang on so then that was thought leader and then you also talked what's uh keto fee is is, is telling me about keto, this yeah keto fee it's just a play in my name uh-huh key k-i is also chi q-i yeah. it's energy um mm -hmm. So 20, 2015, what led to Kidofi was a, the reason why I left Southwestern. So okay, I can, <laughs> let's, if we can't. Let's, uh, let's, let's make some, let's I, go. go. You tell me that. Go back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> please, please do. This, this is, is let this flow like, it I, I, let, it, let it flow, yeah. Yeah, because there's a two, like, I left 2015, I started Kidofi 2017, but what, uh, it's relevant because it also ties in with the, the TEDx story. I don't think I ever told you guys about my, my TED story uh, in 2015, right? Okay. No. Then. Share away. Uh, Go. So right on. <laughs> so 20, I think it was 2013 um, that I started using SalesRabbit um, as, as an app for, and I think like Southwestern yeah. is now. I was, yeah, I was reading that way. I don't think anybody yeah. was using SalesRabbit at that time. So yeah. I was like the first person from Southwestern doing that. And that kind of like started the- You changed, you changed the company. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I was innovative and that's like, I wanted to find something that works. And so I had like my iPad with me and I sold that way. And um, as a, so 2015, as something that I was doing, I downloaded all these TED Talks between doors. And so like as I'm running or in between doors, I would listen to these certain TED Talks. Oh. Um, and there was one that I that I was specifically listening to in 2015 that really called out to me, and it was called the power of mindfulness. And so every 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 door I would go and knock, and like I would, and this story was done by a guy named Home Nguyen, and he's a Vietnamese uh, refugee. And in his story, it uh, like it, I was a ref Vietnamese refugee as well, and so there was lots of components in this that really resonated for me from this talk. And at the end of this talk, he talks about this 10-day silent meditation retreat called the Vipassana. And those, some people may recognize that or have heard, oh yeah, I've gone on a 10-day silent retreat. I've knew people from Southwestern and I've heard about it. Omar had done it, but it never really like called out to me until that yeah. summer. I was like, you know what? It was like in May, I listened to this and it landed. And I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, do, a I'm gonna do a Vipassana at the end of this summer. I need this. I've been living my life through like Southwestern nine years now, pretty compulsively. And there was like this friction, right? Where I was just like, I still wanna be a, a DSM. I still like have all these like big goals, but I felt very conflicted internally. Like earlier you were saying, right? Yeah, you looked up to me and I had all these successes and I could, I could talk about all my units and everything that I've sold and I have impacted a lot of people. However, deep down inside, there was like this feeling of like, 
you're not enough. You, you, there, there's something that is like driving me that is like this. I wasn't, I couldn't get my, my sense of worth to be at a place where I felt good about myself. And that's where, you know what? All right, let's do this. I'm going to have some silence. And I feel like this could be really supportive for me. Um, also, that summer, I knew that I, had, I was going to go to Burning Man. <laughs> for those oh. that have never been to the burn like this is it's a transformative place to be my first time going so i was like i knew i knew everything and said let's just go kill it 2015 have a great summer go to the burn come back and then do the vipassana that was like my my planning right so at the end of the summer i i finished and i didn't realize that was going to be my last summer right i was still thinking i was going to realize Ah. I did not know I didn't like there was although I did I kind of knew it in a way like there was a part of me that was like oh, I'm not really into this as like as I was and so there was a disconnect yeah. but I, I, it, I kind of been feeling that over the last few summers um but this summer what it's always a feeling it's always a feeling <laughs> it starts there but I had a catalyst I had like a like a, a moment that just like slapped me awake like I what happened was at the end of the summer from Denver, after all, like I, I drove out to Reno where Burning Man, where we're meeting outside. So we're getting ready to drive into Black Rock City. And there's about 40 of us in our camp. First time, like people from all around the world are flying into this, uh, flying into Reno or driving into Reno. And we're outside of this supermarket. I get there around 10 o'clock at night. And I'm, so there's this huge box truck that, that we're waiting for to like, okay, drive into the city, right? And uh, that box truck arrives really late and it's like 11 or midnight. And so when they finally get there, it's like, okay, that's a sign, let's go inside the city. I start loading up my bike and then off to the side, I hear these voices and there's like these murmurs and I'm just like not paying too much attention, but I can hear like some people were trying to talk to our camp leads and I hear them like, saying something, but at the end of that conversation, they start entering themselves. And then one by one, there was three guys. And then the third person introduced himself as Hong Nguyen, the guy that did the TED Talk for the power of mindfulness. <laughs> and I was like, I heard his voice. I didn't need to, I didn't need to like look, but I was like, Hong Nguyen, I knew that. And I just like looked over and I see him and I like, you know, it's so clear and evident to me, like, that's the guy. That's the guy. <laughs> and so I, 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 right over to him and I'm like I know you I've been listening to your TED talk and I was like I got into this like starstruck moment where I was like I know how you start and start I, I literally start repeating his TED talk <laughs> in front of him and uh <laughs> this guy's like what the fuck what the fuck right and but that that moment there like oh, I, I felt that like what as like a calling from like oh yeah, this guy just walked into my life and home became, and to this day, I, I still work with him. He's been like my, 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 my meditation teacher. And so through that, and then, you know, I, I did the 10 day silent retreat afterwards. And that, that was the, the, the catalyst. Like from that point, he set me up for that. I went into 10 days of silence and I came out and I felt like I was just like a new person. <laughs> like it was so clear oh. to me, that, all right, I, I, I get to move forward. And I, that was the day that I decided to, what, dude? to move forward. That's, oh, oh man. Can you tell me about how oh, I want to, I got to pick your brain for five minutes about this. 
There's like, more. Yeah, I'm absolutely I'm about to because the, the series of stories that grow from that is just where, where it becomes yeah. a lot more oh, fun yeah. to where I'm at. And Andre, uh, Andres, I want to prepare you. Like this guy, I, I spent time with him in LA when I went and did MITT advanced. It, I think it was basic that I, in September, that I oh, actually what? got a story from Burning Man that you were telling me about. And so, yeah, you, you've, you've kind of through your own, your bodily pain. I remember you telling me you got into CBD and taking care of your body and helping others do the same. Um, is that linked up with this guy or is it a little bit? Yeah. Oh, okay. Dude, I got to hear about mindfulness and all that stuff. Yeah. Keep, keep asking those questions, Andres. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me, let me, let me pick your brain about this specific thing. And then I'll, and then you can continue with like where the story takes off from. Cause I, I don't see us being able to come back to this and I want to let you just jam on, on these stories, but are you a person that's like naturally driven to those kinds of like challenging mental toughness? Like my brother and I did a seven day fast, like last September, that was pretty crazy for me. Uh, yesterday, I did my first polar plunge. I went into a freaking frozen lake and just dipped yesterday. in there. Yesterday, uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, Dude, there's yeah. a. It's on my Instagram. Last time I saw you, Andres, was when uh, you and your brother did that seven day fast. So yeah, I had just gotten out of that. <laughs> I was yeah. So like, but like this, I this is like the third time I've heard about this like silent, like like no talking for a extended period of time and i've heard it's earth shattering so uh tell me a little bit about that or is that part of the story that's coming up yeah i have so much to share about that um and go bro go but to answer your question yes i have always been that kind of guy mentally that just loved challenges that's what brought me to books it's like 80 hours a week let's go right so yeah. i think that's always been kind of innate like as a, even as a, a, a little boy, I've always been just driven by those kinds of adventures. Yeah. Um, but to share about my 10 day experience, the biggest thing that I, that was like so profound for me in the, the 10 days, you, you know, you're not, you're not speaking, you don't have no technology, no writing, no reading. Um, you're waking up at four in the morning and there's a schedule, a strict schedule that you're following all the way through until 930 at night. And so it's, it's extremely challenging. And I remember I would joke with book people, book people and say like, you know, it's 10 days. Imagine each day as a week in the summer condensed. So those 10 days experience, what can come up is like equivalent to what I felt in my body as a full entire summer. And, and that's, I joke oh and say that, but the, but the reason I say that is because here's an example, like a part of the practice is like the first instructions that are given is, you know, you're, they, they call it anapana, which is observing the sensations of air coming in and out of your nostrils. And that's all, that's it. You're just observing pure objective sensations for an entire three days. And if your mind wanders, just come back to the truth of the sensations of just the pure oh objective of it. And, you know, lots of thoughts, you want to move and so it can get kind of frustrating. Um, and then after a certain point there, you're going to get to a stage where they call it, um, I forgot what it's called, but it's like an hour, oh, an aritana, which is an hour long. It's called, it's, it stands for discipline, or that's what it means in Bali, where it's um, strong discipline. That's what it is. So you're essentially sitting for an hour, doing your absolute best without moving a muscle 
without so you're you're still for an entire an entire hour and whatever kind of aches and pains that come up this ties in with cold plunging because then you're now learning how to dissociate the objective feeling from the actual like emotions that can come up so like if i'm feeling pain or i'm feeling this itchy sensation my natural tendency is to scratch it move don't feel the pain but here with the invitation is to observe the, the the pain or the itching sensation purely as it is and to create space for yourself it's like this there's this action and then you can immediately respond but before you respond let's see what this space feels like and let's explore it where's your mind going to where is it frustration is it irritation is you know so it, it that is as a, a life philosophy for me and how i approach and do things now is like you know whether it's like Kind of you uh, analogously compared to you know I, I I'm having this conversation but I, you know after this I want to go scratch and itch and you do something else right and there's like the tendency of like wanting to go and do something but now it's like no be here create the space create the pause and observe it and that that that's for me in essence like a, a lesson that I've taken from that those ten days. Oh my gosh. Would you suggest starting with just one day and seeing how that goes? You know, so I, now I'm a, there's, there, yeah, that practice is extreme. I would never recommend before, like if you asked me this, um, like, like five years ago, I would have been like, you need to do this. Like, this is the solution. But I, like I said earlier about creating containers of safety that like people have gone in, like, they have like a series of like, like similar to MITT, like all these questions about, your psychology, if you're seeing anybody. And so it can be a place that just brings up a lot of feelings, trauma, stories. And so I was not sensitive to that. And now I would say as a, like with a new lens, um, I, I, like that's, so my guidance as a teacher is let, let's approach something that is a little bit more um, inviting, where it's not as like slap in your face. We can get there, let's build up to that point like cold plunges, Wim Hof, breath holding techniques, CO2 retention. I love all that, but I can't just like introduce that to somebody. Um, I gotta like warm them up to that kind of experience. Damn, dude, that's so crazy. So, okay, so little- you, Oh, you got a follow-up question, Andres, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, you go, you go, you go. I, I'm, I'm just kind of in this, in this, uh, this space of, curiosity about how this transition into this um, more mindful way of living and everything with that, um, that's that's something that I saw uh, my last summer of 2017, kind of. I mean, 2016 was the last summer I knocked, but I was around that 20, into the 2017 year and seeing how many people in Southwestern are privy to this meditative way of being and presence and breathing. Mm. Um, definitely not to the same level that you talked about. In fact, your story just now might be really, really inviting to all these current book kids who are like, how can I, how can I become, you know, a better version of myself and, you know, become more aware of my body? Like people are starting to do that. Yeah. Um, and my curiosity is with your current way of doing things, um, you're, you're helping people get TED Talks, get TED events going, and um, that's, that's really awesome. Is there anything 
that you can say about the like I was talking last night with my coworkers now who are like in the backseat and stuff trying to listen to this awesome this awesome conversation um, meta narratives this overarching theme of like lessons and and things to learn and and kind of take out of stuff um, what can you say about if you were to go back and, and go on to doors or if you weren't, I don't know, what, what are the things that you want everyone listening to this podcast? What's your Ted talk to the people listening to this, this podcast? Yeah, hundred percent. I think that now for me, like everybody's in sales, everybody is a salesperson. And I, mm. I still believe that we're always selling ourselves. Like, you know, you don't mm. believe that. Then what are, what are the stories that, I'm telling myself, right? And so I'm constantly having to sell myself on, I don't say constantly, but I'm, I'm like settling into a place now where like those conversations I shared earlier about like, am I enough? Am I, you know, am I worthy? Like I've, I'm, I'm at a place now, I've done so much work regarding that topic that I've, I feel like this complete sense of confidence in myself. So if I were to share uh, one thing, uh, I wrote a, a manuscript and this book gets to be published soon, but it's called Compassionate Selling. And I believe that as a sales rep, we are so hard on ourselves, period. The root of compassion, like the, the distinction of compassion is that in, in light of suffering, right? You like, you want to help someone because you have suffered. You know what suffering feels like and you don't want whoever you're working with, you don't want them to suffer. So to the degree that you have suffered as an individual, that I have suffered as an individual, I feel like if I were to get into that, like I, it has opened up my heart to be quite vulnerable and to care quite a bit because I have, I've seen so much and I've, you know, we've done a lot of work together, right? And so now in a place where I feel like, yeah, I am compassionate and I truly desire wanting to help my client. So whoever I'm meeting, there's this place that I get to arrive at to know that whatever happens, whatever the outcome, my intent is there. My volition is to truly listen, mm. to care, and to do my absolute best to move and transform this person that I'm having a conversation with. And that is something that can be felt. And I know at the end of it all, whether they buy or they don't, this is a process that I internally am dealing with. And so with the work of mindfulness, as I'm selling or having conversations, I'm, I'm aware, okay, I'm, uh, yes, I'm trying to transform them, but at the same time, what's coming up in my body as I'm asking them these questions? And what's the most challenging thing in your life right now? And really listening with intent and noticing, ah, oh, you want to say this fee or you're feeling this sense of excitement or they're saying this and you can empathize or sympathize. And so just being so in tune with my internal weather and temperature that I can align myself to creating space before I tell people or make a suggestion. I think that's created so much more fluidity in my conversations with people. Wow, dude. <laughs> I could talk to you for Passionate hours. Selling. <laughs> Compassionate selling. So now, when is this book? When does this book come yeah. out? Sorry to. No, go right ahead. This book. So this book is about that. Oh, the manuscript. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the manuscript. I had it written. I had it edited. But then, um, for full transparency, December 2019, I got let go at SPS. 
because I missed my quota by sale. Oh, you know, dang. and so, but it's okay. Like that, what happened was I missed my quota. Objectively, I did what I could and I have no like regrets. I did my best that month and it just didn't work out, you know? And yeah. so, but then in 2020, as everything kind of happened and then like unfolded, it just, 2020 was like my all-star year. Like I, I did another 10 day retreat. And so I've been doing these 10 day retreats every year. And I'll also come back to do a 10 day service. And it just, I, I sat like I, uh, my last sit was March. I came out March 10th, like a 2020, a week before the pandemic, like really skyrocketed. Yeah. Wow. So, I remember that week. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, Wild. I guess I'm sharing that because there was a bit of like uh, imposter syndrome in the book. Cause I was like, Oh, here I am writing about compassionate selling and I didn't hit my quota. And I'm like being hard on myself. And so, but like, again, I'm laughing because fast forward, I'm now in a place where I'm just like killing it. My company's doing well. I'm helping another company do business development. Mm. None of this wouldn't have happened had I been let go, right? And so now it's at a place where I can like redig up that mm. manuscript. And that manuscript in a way, I would read it sometimes and I would, I would read it for myself. It's like I wrote that book for me to be like, yeah. heal mm. yourself. It's okay. You, you know that you can be hard on yourself, but just... What does it feel like to just be compassionate and kind towards your results? And so an answer, yes, it will come out. I want to do my TED Talk first this year. And that's kind of like the, once I get an audience, then I think a book would really kind of open up a yeah. lot more opportunity to the other things uh, that I'm doing. Talk me up for that team. We're about to promote <laughs> the ever-living heck out of you, Fee. That's awesome. Uh, that's so cool. Oh, I'm excited <sighs> for you, man. I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, this is calling it too early here, but I think it's time for that pony story. I'm not sure if uh, if you're Wait. willing, whether it's that pony story or you. You were talking before the podcast of selling in a hurricane, maybe whatever you want to talk about. Go right ahead. Did, also, if you have more to share about what you're doing now, how like the ten days thing plugged in to what you're doing now, like all the other things that you're doing, feel free to talk about that as well first, and then we can head into the pony story. I'll, I'll leave it up to you. I know you said you had until the top of the hour, so I guess I'll let you judge the time that's left with what you want to share, if that's if that's okay. Yeah, I'd love to share one more thing. Um, Please do. Because, like my work with mindfulness, I I, I went back to school in 20, 2019 as well to UCLA, they had a program called the, uh, the Training in Mindfulness Facilitation at the Mindful Awareness Research Center through the, Neuro, the CIMO Institute of Neuroscience. And I love that, Jeez. right? It was, like a, wow. it was a, for me an opportunity to hone my skills in as a facilitator with like a scientific background, not just like, because mindfulness meditation right now can be used and it can feel very woo-woo and esoteric, but there's so much science to back, like what it means to for us to practice, to have a daily mindfulness practice, to create space between our stress response. Because it's so easy for us, especially during this time in the pandemic, to be like drawn towards media or we're on screens all the time. And, and so I just know that as a resource for people that are listening, like the beyond what it feels good to just sit and take a deep breath in your own body. Um, there's all these new modalities of breath work, um, simple mindfulness meditations that 
relieve blood pressure, relieve stress, relieve digestion issues. And there's all these things that are, are available. So I'm, I'm happy to be a resource where if you go on like my IG, I, I'm doing these like 30 minute guided facilitations. So people can sit and there's been like, I've been able to sit with a few book people and just, I know that's one thing as like, when I think back to my book days, I was just like 80 hours, 30 demos a day, going, going, going that, wow. Like in the, like, what would it feel like to just have a moment where you can, in the midst of that, just pause real quick and observe what's going on in your body. Is that adrenaline? Mm. Is that cortisol? Are you being really excited? Don't like, you, you know, so there's all these um, biochemical things that are going on within our own body that we can get lost in. And I think there's so much more opportunity to be, to have wisdom in like personal wisdom within our own body. Cause we all have our own stories. We built up these certain mm -hmm. like automatic triggers where like something happens and like, it just causes like this cascading effect of like, you know, whatever it may be, but you can like, for me, I know when I get triggered, it's like, Oh shoot, there it goes right here again. There's that stress response. I can feel it. It's rising. And to be able to create that sense of space before I react has been just transformative. So I just wanted to add that in as a, as a resource for people. If they have questions, yeah. they can reach out. But also just because it's like, for me, the, the, the go-to thing uh, that has supported me and my, my work with sales now. Dude, that is, that is like the coolest um... Yeah, I, I know I'm going to hit you up about this. <laughs> so we'll definitely, I will plug the crap out of this. This is awesome, man. And, and it's great because, um, you know, as I'm thinking about this, it's like one of the greatest things that I wanted to accomplish with this podcast was to sh have people come on and share what they're doing now, right? Because we're alumni for a reason, right? We're doing something else. And it's a good way to use this crazy network that I feel like isn't used as much besides Facebook, you know? And so maybe this is another way for people to want to come on here and kind of share what they're doing and it's a good way to like get to know more people about this so hell yeah man that's so cool very cool for very i'm proud i'm proud of you man that is that is so awesome cool. yeah like and it just it's you're you've always been kind of like that person me that you uh been like very uh my, like i've always said that you were super mindful like i know you always talk to me about meditation and the power of that i know some of your even like when you would do like advanced sales or something like that or give parts of certain get backs you'd always talk about mindfulness and so um i was one of those people that definitely like took that to heart and i'm not very good at it uh, and that's something that i think in the last couple of years i've been well probably even more so the last few months have been really uh trying to get better at and so i'm definitely gonna get a hold of you and see and see what you have to say about that. So heck yeah, man. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and while we're on that topic, you know, like if you go to Kidofi, my website, um, yeah, you'll see that I have like a, my, my mission is to strengthen the mind body connection. And I'm doing something that is not completely new. It, it's available, but it's something that I have personally found to be really helpful. And that's integrating CBD into my mindfulness practice. Ah, there it is. <laughs> cool. Um, Here, I'm so gonna let you. I'm, I'm gonna give you screen control so you can navigate. Um, oh, mm -hmm. hold on. I got. I got to let my computer allow you to do this. Yeah, oh. All you need to do. If, if, if you, I have a product. I mean, there, I just wanted to show this so people can go here. There's like, I have like certain CBD products, but for those that want to explore and experiment. They can like my my goal is like all right you can try some of my CBD products and then if you want to book sessions with me I know I'm, I just made a new batch so we have some new products coming out this oh, I can pretty much it's available it's just uh 
I just got to update. Okay. But anyways, um, these are some of the products I have. I'm making some tinctures. And for those that have not explored or like really researched the benefits of what CBD can do for them, as far as like a, an anti-inflammatory, that's like for sure, like there's enough research back that CBD is great for anti-inflammation mm -hmm. anti yeah. anti and um, and they want to have an opportunity to practice a, a mindfulness sit with it. It's a great way that I have found personally to just like calm things down, slow things down and tap into my body. That's well, that's mm. one one resource that I'm happy to, to provide. And then for <laughs> while we're on it, and I know it's like shameless plug, right? But this is what I'm working no, on. Bro. I'm happy for those so that, that, are, that are curious about this. But then I'm also work, um, I'm doing business development for a company called Wellapet. And so if you go to wellapet.com, yes. um, okay. yeah, you'll see that. So for anybody that has a dog or a cat then and has not experimented with CBD, if they have like any kind of anxiety or arthritis if they're older or if they have like skin skin issues, then uh, this our products has just been going, has been doing really well. And so we're partnered together with a lot of animal shelters. And so it's like a buy one, donate oh. one so for every jar we we sell, we donate one to an animal shelter. Um, so it's, yeah, bro. I invite you to check bro. that out too. Happy to connect one-on-one -on -one with anybody that has questions about that and safety for, for the animals. Bro, I got to get you in contact with my, my friends called, uh, named, called, named uh, Liz Whitaker. She's from here in Lincoln. She has a startup that is currently in the um, funding phase. Um, and she created essentially like, um, uh, Carfax, you know, what Carfax for like, show me the Carfax, like the, where you see like all the history of a car and what it's doing and like where it's been that for pets, for, for, for sheltered pets. And so essentially like it, it brings together all the information of just like where the pet has been, like what the owners have done, like where, like where it's lived, but then also for like shelters, there's like a super, it, anyway she looks to work with uh pet shelters because they, there's thousands of them there's like forty thousand of them she's teaching me all this um i just need to connect you to and see if that crosses some wire somewhere um because i feel like you guys could probably share some really good ideas of things that you guys are doing well to, even if like you don't partner just to kind of like have that connection uh i think is important sorry to like totally out of i know it's southwestern alumni thing but like this is sort of but it just made me think of that so that's what um, i'll share that with you it's really that's what it's about like these connections like i you know how did i get all these like how did i end up here where i'm at it's just like through southwestern connections and leaning into that, right like i wouldn't have said yes to this and it just everything just kind of has led me to being here because i i really trusted in my gut and all these connections that i'm making this is fantastic dude awesome yeah so let's now yeah we can if you if you uh I'm going to, I'm going to put all this or Nick, we can put this into the description of the episode, both on the, on the Apple music, Spotify, and uh, of course on YouTube. Um, so people can come check this out for you, man. Um, and yeah. hell yeah. We're here um, to promote so, yeah. you forever is what that means. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, glad, and then, I'm glad I could provide that. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Um, and then the next thing is, uh, yeah, I think given our time, we have about 25 minutes. If you wanted to share a little bit about, uh, some of your great, amazing, the pony stories or the, or some of the cool stories from your summer uh, that Nick alluded to earlier. I still, I still think what's like coming up for me is that hurricane story because it just, it was so intimate and it's so that, that 
the fee that came up from that story is, is still alive and here today. And it's like, it's like balancing that hurricane uh, around the world and with that internal fee. And so for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, um, I think, I can't, I, I can't remember the year, but the year that hurricane uh, Irene brought the, the entire East Coast. Um, and it, uh, I remember what happened was, I don't remember that summer that was, but for me- 2011. There you go, 2011. I was in New York and Long Island, and I was at 980 something units by that Friday evening. Probably one of the best starts that I've, I've had in my Southwestern career. Like I was like, okay, by this point, and, and the hurricane saying, oh, Irene was coming by that time, but I was so committed. I was like, okay, cool, one more, and I'm gonna be in the more club. So that, that was like, that was the goal. And uh, that morning, Saturday morning, uh, Ron got called an emergency um, call for everybody in the org that was out in the East Coast. And it's like, hey, you guys, gonna be hidden. Be smart. Don't, you know, don't work. Um, you can do a little bit in the morning, but go home once things start picking up. I heard that, and I just, <laughs> nope. <you> know, <laughs> gonna find a way, Ron. I'm, I hear you. Thank you for your concern. I'm gonna go hit more. And that entire Friday, as I was knocking, it was just, you know, everybody's boarding up. Everybody is like, like by the afternoon, winds were blowing and people were like, you're crazy, you're absolutely crazy. And I was just, I could not, I don't know why, I couldn't get a sit down, you guys. Nobody wanted to sit down outside with me and nobody wanted to me inside. Gruesome hurricanes of American history, but you know, tell us about the sucks. And that was like my mentality, you guys. Like I just, I still pushed. I was like, there has to be a way, you know. And it was like, it's strange, right? Like there's, yes, I care so much, but there was still like that. I got to hit my goals. Um, part of me that was driving that. Um, <laughs> so Friday I didn't make any sales. Obviously, uh, Saturday I didn't make any sales. Sunday meeting was uh, was brief, so the, the storm had ended. We had our Sunday meeting, and then I went out immediately. I was, I, I was running the org at the time, <laughs> so we had a quick Sunday meeting. Go home, take care of yourself, be safe. Bye, guys. I went out and I knocked again um, <laughs> in my area, and so I was like trying to get back on the field to get that one sale. And you know, I remember having these sit downs. Like com power completely ran out. I wish I could pull up some pictures, but they had like you know those trees and the sidewalks. Imagine like a whole entire rectangular, like six by six foot concrete just completely toppled over. You know, roots coming all out everywhere, cars smashed. Like it was just, um, you know, New York City was flooded. Like it was bad. Yeah, and so I was like, let's let's see, let's see if anybody will, will sit down. And I got, I only remember one sit down that evening and it was like completely pitch black, candles everywhere. We're hunched around just doing demos and, you know, and then, it's all that candlelight and as uh, as kind as they were to have entertained me and, and, and watched it but I worked pretty late that Sunday and uh, long story there is no happy ending I did not hit more than no. um, but I took uh, I took away uh, a beautiful lesson in that and it was just today when I reflect on that story it makes me really happy it makes me really happy to see where I'm at right now because 
I realized that that fee is is alive and strong and has like that mm. calling out, like, let me, let me achieve, let me like be heard, let me be seen. I want to be recognized. And I recognize that voice and I, I allow it and I sit with it. And it's like kind of more of like a compassionate, kind way. Like, I hear you. You you're 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 there. You don't have to go and knock on the the the, the storming doors. You don't have to do that to prove anything to anybody. You're enough in this moment. And that's like a, that's something I always come to, like this sense of contentment where I, I practice and I say to myself, and Nick, you remember this, the whole be do have, right? And so I would say, be, I have enough in this moment. I do enough in this moment. And in this moment, I am enough. And in, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be like content forever, but just to allow myself to have that breath and breathe for just those few instances that I can be completely content with that moment. It feels so energizing, feels so reassuring. And so that's that's the message that I'll, I'll, I'll leave off at. Bro. <laughs> wow, what a good episode. <laughs> oh, man. You guys are so kind. I could go forever. <laughs> I'm just getting like, you know, knocked on the door out here in the car, just being like, hey, we're trying to go to the next place and watch the game. So um, this, has been a, this has been an incredible episode. And, you know, we're, we're excited oh. to stay in touch with you, Fee, and, and talk to any of our future guests about if they ever want to do a TED Talk to talk to you. And uh, yeah, it's, man. It's, it's been awesome. So I would love to uh, have you on another episode down the line where uh, we're looking to, obviously we're trying to get everyone in. And then once we start maybe repeating some, some guests, I would love you to have you back on. You talk to Ron or Omar or anyone else from Redline yes. that you would love to talk with, that you worked with. Cause then, it, then we're like, we're trying to get panels of guests where they all talk about, Hey, you remember this one time and this and that. And we did yeah. this in Phoenix, Arizona because we had our key persons meeting there. And Oh my gosh, do you remember this? And you know, it's, yeah. it's it's a really awesome podcast this is number 18 of what we imagine is going to go on for a while so, so yeah great. thanks so for, much fun, thanks you for guys. Us. yeah oh, dude, so this is fun. so much fun this is so much fun if, uh, well nick will have the episode uploaded to apple and apple music and spotify and um and youtube so then we'll share it with you and if you want to share it on your social media uh that would be great we are uh doing this for fun as of now but i mean with dreams of monetizing at some point down as if we can get some awareness especially from southwestern alumni and so uh yeah that'd be great if you could just share just to have use that network the way it's supposed to be used you know <laughs> uh so, uh, so that'd be that'd be great um dude I, I from the bottom of my heart thank you so much man this is so much fun i had a blast bro had a blast such a good time so great reminiscing um, y'all this is this is really great for me to just recap and reshare these stories because it's so energizing to talk about this and and right. talk about it in a while <laughs> yeah hell yeah um, like this one time i was knocking in a hurricane you're just like totally yeah. back to that one time <laughs> you were just nothing but a stud you had no other option that's <laughs> um so let's go real quick class to close it up into some announcements uh do you want to tell me do you know when your book is going to be Maybe or tentatively looking to be published for sure, fee or is that still kind of under wraps? I'm gonna keep that on the wraps for now. Okay. If anything, the TED Talk is gonna come out first because I'm being a lot more proactive in applying okay. and getting that TEDx talk. So 
Um, that I'll let you know. You'll you'll see it. I'll, I'll be asking people to blast that and share that once it's live. But I haven't got accepted sure. yet. I'm just I know it's gonna happen. Declaring. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then um, my announcement for me, I actually have a book coming out um, next month, hopefully. That's what I'm assuming for uh, through SPS. Uh, so yeah, take a look at, uh, follow it on Facebook right now. It's called I Wrote a Book, uh, Andres Gamboa. Um, or I'll send you an invite on Facebook if you want to. Uh, that would be awesome if you could plug that. You know you know how it is. <laughs> yep. So if you, could, if you could help out with that, that'd be great. Um, and Nick, anything for you? You have an episode coming up with Jordan on Thursday? Yeah, I believe it's Thursday. It's the 11th which is right before Valentine's day. That's going to be a fun one. Old roommate, second summer. We were both B contracts together. Oh man. And uh, beyond that, we're, we're uh, looking for more episode guests. So any, any alumni listening to this episode, we really want to get, you know, the rest of February into March and, you know, all these cool stories are always fun. Um, Hit us up to, to get an episode booked. Heck yeah, man. So that's all for us. Thank you so much for for being here. The legendary Fido and joining us. See you guys all next time and happy Super Bowl Sunday. Let's go, go everybody. All right. Peace, you guys. Take care. Bye. See y'all later.